0: You there, buddy? You there? Hello! Hey. Oh, there he is. It's a Friday. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Tyler's away from us this morning, but you'll hear him live well. from his bathroom. Live from the bathroom. How's that? Uh, how's that microphone working?
1: Uh, how, do you guys tell me? How do I sound? Terrible?
0: No. Yeah. You use an external no.
1: mic? <laughs> I'm trying right now. So back when we did every show from home. Right, I was. I had a. I had like a headset that I was trying to use, and I sounded horrific. That I didn't even use it. I just talked straight into my computer and just used the the mic on my computer. Now I have a different little cheap mic that I'm trying out, and Jared said I sound a little bit better than usual, but not actually good.
0: I think you sound pretty good.
1: Okay, I do I'm not. Ed Graney's Ed <laughs> Graney's ear counts no, today, yeah, Jared, I think not you sound yours. Pretty good.
0: I used to uh, put the ear pods in and uh, just use the computer, and I I sounded horrible. And then I would forget that I, you know, it was a break. So I went to get some water or something, hit the mute. And as you heard in the open, (laughs) I'd come back and have no idea you hit the mute. I mean, (laughs) the genuine best one was, uh oh, my ear pods are, uh,
2: oh,
1: yeah, when they're running
0: out of juice and failing. That was not good at all. That was not good at all.
1: (laughs) Wait, didn't we do a show where you're, did your son take your AirPods at one point?
0: Yes, he stole them. <laughs> uh, it might have been during a break where he just came in and took them when I had put them down, and then all of a sudden they were gone. I'm like, where'd the AirPods go? Uh, so, yeah, so uh, you're, you're away from us. I think you sound good, and uh, we'll see what happens. The First Bite. are the golden Knights, the best team in the Pacific division. Oh, Look at these Calgary flames. Tyler, look at these guys.
1: I was, so this is from Dom Lucision of the athletic. He basically has a daily update on like teams, odds to make the playoffs, odds to win their division. He even goes in as far as, you know, what position in the, in the division, each team uh, is likely to get. And I'm, Honestly, like, I'm surprised to see it's this high. Like, I would have bought, hey, Calgary is the favorites or Calgary is expected to win the division. But right now, the Calgary Flames have a 75% chance to win the Pacific Division. The Golden Knights have a 16% chance to win the Pacific Division. I'm stunned it's that high and it's that drastic of a difference. But if you look into the Flames a little bit, they are number two in the NHL in both Corsi and expected goals, right? Their analytics are very good. The Calgary Flames have been a very good team this year, and we've made fun of the Pacific Division for being bad, and for the most part, it's been true. It's, it's a bad division, but the Flames exist, and the Flames are real, and we're sitting around February 18th. Golden Knights still aren't fully healthy but they're not the best team in this division. Like, it's it's no longer a, hey, they're, they've are they got two easy games to get to the to the Western Conference Finals. The Calgary Flames are legitimate, and the Golden Knights are yeah. going to have to go through Calgary to get to the Stanley Cup Final.
0: I guess he's looking at, like you said, Corsi and expected goals, because the percentage, the, the margin's only three points right now, and Calgary's had to win eight games to overtake them. They've won eight straight. Um, so I guess that's sort of what he's looking at to get to the 75%, right? I mean... I don't know what else you could be looking at. I mean, I, you can't you can't predict when the Golden Knights are going to be healthy. I don't know if that factors in. I would assume the analytics and numbers factor in more so than health because how could he know, you know, when right. anyone's going to get healthy? You can't you can't even factor that in. Um, Mark Stone could come back next week, or he could come back during the playoffs. You know, because that's what happens when you do that. Um, so it has to be uh, like you said, the course and expected goals. Um, but you have another thing down here, which I I actually think is a really good point here is second place better depending on the matchups. Right now, Edmonton and the Kings are behind the Golden Knights. And very, and by the way, Edmonton, uh, in getting rid of their coach, is now won four straight. They're only two <laughs> behind with a game in hand. Uh, the Kings are four behind. They'll play the Golden Knights tonight. So I if if you're telling me they can get Edmonton, the Kings, or Anaheim, or win it and get St. Louis or Nashville, like I'm like, hey, Calgary, take the Pacific. You can have the banner.
1: It all depends on what you think of Edmonton and what you think of Edmonton might change between now and the end of the season. Like you said, they fire their coach and they, they start winning games. But if you don't think Edmonton is any good, then you absolutely want the number two seat in the Pacific because right now, right, you're going to get the, the winner of the Pacific right now would get the fourth best team in the Central Division and the fourth best team in the Central Division has a better record than the Golden Knights. Does. Right. Um, and does that stay true at the end of the year? We'll we'll see. But the fourth place team in the Pacific is almost undoubtedly going to be better than the majority of the uh, fourth place team in the Central is going to be better than pretty much everybody in the Pacific. But it depends on what you think of Edmonton, because Edmonton is... They've been this way for a while. They've got Connor McDavid. They've got Leon Dreisidel. It's always a matter of if, if they somehow they figure have out Mark the Conway, rest of their Fleury. team. Oh, wait a minute. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if they figure out the rest of their team, there's obviously the fact that Edmonton can be really, really dangerous. Really, really good. So if you think Edmonton's going to be dangerous and good, then getting the two seeds worse than getting the one seed. Because that first round matchup is still difficult. If you think Edmonton's a bunch of bums, which outside of McDavid and Drysdale, they pretty much have been for like five straight years now, then you absolutely want the two seed because you get Edmonton and you get to avoid St. Louis or Nashville, whoever it ends up being that's the four out of the central. Like, you absolutely want the two seed because the, o- the only downside to getting the two seed in that scenario is you do lose home ice advantage in round two when you would conceivably play Calgary. But I think I'd rather have the easier first round matchup than home ice advantage in a second round that I might not even make it to.
0: That's a tough one because I've seen them play at Calgary, and I think the percentage, <laughs> the margin of victory now is thirty-two to three for Calgary. Um, I've seen what they've done against Edmonton Dryside over the last few games, and I'm if I'm them, I'm okay with playing Edmonton. Like I- I'm okay with that matchup by far over St. Louis or Nashville, and obviously they're going to be home ice. I'm okay with that matchup.
1: Yeah, I I think it's, for the Golden Knights, it should be fine. Like, I'm not too worried about this. If you told me right now they're playing Edmonton in the playoff series, I wouldn't be too concerned with it. Um, I hope it happens, especially if they trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, because then we get Evander Kane and Marc-Andre Fleury playing against the Golden Knights, which would be a ton of fun. So, yeah, that's not a, I think, potential first-round matchups with the Golden Knights, that's probably the one you would pick right now right it's either that st louis or nashville right or the three most likely that's the one i think you would pick if you were the golden Knights. so the two that makes the two seed better ultimately is what it does there which is uh, an interesting place to be because i do i wonder if either team would try to game that if either team would say would get to the end of you know five games left calgary and vegas or tied for the Pacific Division lead. They've they've locked up. Both have locked up at least the two seed, and now they're just battling for the one seed. Would either team just go blatant rest and just say, yep, yeah, we're sitting down Eichel, Pacioretty, Shea Theodore, and Alex Petrangelo today. Uh, we don't need them to play for the rest of the season. They're going to get ready to go for the playoffs. Like, I wonder if either team would say, eh, Let's throw in uh, Michael Amadio and Danil Miramanoff for 40 minutes a night and see if that can help us get the two seed instead of the one seed.
0: Well, they'll be uh, they'll be resting Robin Leonard, so Logan Thompson obviously would play the last five games of the season. <laughs> oh, he's
1: gonna get five straight shutouts. He's gonna so get, get five gonna get straight. Seed. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> how, about, how about if Logan Thompson, in the back of his mind, says, "I see what you're doing. Okay, bring it on." And like the guy's amazing, and they're gonna have to choose between Leonard and Logan Thompson for the first round. Listen, um, the
1: way the way this fan base responds to goaltenders. Especially if, to Leonard, if Logan Thompson had five straight shutouts in in even if they were like meaningless games, even if the Golden Knights had everything clinched, if he had five straight shutouts going into the playoffs, you absolutely know there would be people saying he sure. needs to start over Robin Leonard. Especially if post-season. he's going
0: against Leonard. <laughs> I don't know about Broussard, but against Leonard, he's at. They're absolutely going to be tra- uh, cheering for Logan Thompson.
1: <laughs> this in that scenario, the second Leonard gives up a goal in the postseason, oh, he's done. Where's Logan Thompson? Bring in the better goalie. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. Um, there's one other thing that I want to talk about the Calgary Flames. They made a trade for Tyler Toffoli. Uh, they sent a first-round pick and a fifth to Montreal to get Tyler Toffoli. Uh, at the time of the trade, Toffoli had nine goals, 17 assists, in 37 games for the Canadians, who have been terrible. Uh, he had 28 goals last year, in in playing 52 games. The, the reason I find it interesting is that the Golden Knights right now, yes, they traded for Jack Eichel, and you can consider Jack Eichel... Mm-hmm. Their deadline acquisition if you want but the golden knights can't make a move to strengthen their team at the deadline they are over the salary cap really the only thing they can conceivably do is if robin leonard has to go on long-term ir they can trade for another goalie right but they can't really make an acquisition to strengthen their team so if george mcphee's sitting there kelly mccrimmon's sitting there and they say hey we think we have a weakness here in the roster that we need to fix, right? Wherever that would be. Most likely that'd be like defenseman somewhere. They can't really fix it because of what they've done to the salary cap. Meanwhile, Calgary's already traded for Tyler to And so it's an interesting spot that I, I don't think the golden Knights have really been in. Usually at the trade deadline, this is a team where well, they're the ones the making spot, the moves, right? Where, Hey, we can go get Mark Andre Fleury is not playing well. We can go get Robin Leonard to be, uh, an insurance, uh, case and then eventually the starter in the postseason for Marc-Andre Fleury. Hey, uh, we can go get Tomas Tatar. Didn't work out, but we need a better winger in year one. We can go get Tomas Tatar. They've been the team that's always done that. They can't do that this year. And again, you can consider Eichel to be that player, but we still have a month before the deadline. If they have a specific need, unless there's a long-term injury again, they can't do anything about it.
0: I think Toffoli is going to be really good. I think Toffoli, Danny Webster made this point the other day at, at practice. I thought it was a good point. I mean, he was on Montreal. Now you put him around really, really good players, much better players. I mean, Montreal was better last year. I think he kind of takes off. So I think that was a really good move. I don't know if at the deadline they think they would need much. Um, I guess it depends on his, you know, his stone still on LTIR. Is his back really, really hurt at that point still? Um, did he undergo surgery? They still haven't said anything about that. Uh, but you're right. They've always been the ones at the deadline making the big moves, and this year they can't do it, so they better hope – you know, Eichel becomes Eichel or close to it, eighty percent to it, and Stone's back becomes okay. And then if that happens, then I think they're fine. You know, you and know, I've said it, if that all happens and everyone's healthy, they can win the Stanley Cup. But there's a lot that goes into it, and I think Stone and Leonard right now are huge question marks.
1: Uh, Golden Knights play the Kings tonight. Did you know if the Kings win, they would be within two points of Vegas with a game in hand.
0: Remember last year with the Kings and me?
1: Oh boy! Oh, you want to you want to do it again right now? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, team I grew up with, come on, (laughs) team I grew up with. I, I do think it's interesting because the Golden Knights are like by pretty much every, like if you take Dom decision's projections here, they're, they're, they're like 93% to make the playoffs, right? This team isn't, isn't falling out of the playoff race, but it will be curious to see. They don't have Robin Leonard right now. And even though Bersua has played well, the last couple of starts he's made, they, it's still Laurent Bersua and not Robin Leonard. I am, I am curious to see, like, what happens if they lose tonight? Like, how much pressure do they start feeling to not, not... We're talking about, you know, hey, should they get the one or the two seed? Do they ever start feeling pressure about, oh, these teams are, are getting close to us that are the three and four in the Pacific, and we might be in some real danger of falling out of the two seed?
0: Well, would they rush him back if he's really that hurt? <sighs> I, I mean, they're saying the other day, people are saying the other day, is he going to have surgery?
1: Yeah, and that, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I, I mean, I back. don't know how much... I don't know how much pressure you put on a Robin Leonard to come back from an injury. Um, I think you've got to basically hope that bro. is what you paid for, right? They, they gave bro. they gave him a contract more than they needed to give a backup goalie, Right. They gave him over yes. $2 million and he hasn't been that good this year, except his last two starts has been. So I think ultimately what you're doing, if you're Vegas, as long as Leonard's still coming back, right. If Leonard, obviously we talked about this, Leonard's out for an extended period of time, you're trading for another goalie. But as long as you think Leonard's coming back, in all, in all seriousness, you just need Grossois to be what you paid for. Yeah. You paid for him to be a backup yep. goalie that can play in stretches where Leonard's hurt or give him days off. You just need him to be good for a while. Even if it's you know three weeks, four weeks, you just need him to be good because you don't have to be a great team right now to get the two seed. You just got to sort of tread water. Tread
0: wa- Exactly. I was just going to say yeah. that. Just keep your head, get your head above water for a couple weeks until, again, I don't know if he's on the horizon yet. <laughs> God forbid it, we, we, we have anyone on the horizon before they're ready to be on the horizon. But it did sound, at least the last few days, like Pete DeBoer was saying maybe sooner than later. I actually think he said sooner than later. It's yes. either horizon or sooner than later.
1: Yes. The horizon is farther away than sooner or later. Yes, yes. I don't, yes. I don't know what's figured.
0: beyond the horizon, but uh, oh, if you're on the horizon. Scary. You're close. That's Mark
1: Stone. That's long-term IR and Mark Max Stone.
0: Max already spent about six months on the horizon.
1: <laughs> Coming up next, we'll jump into a little bit of NBA because apparently there's already an ownership group ready to bring an expansion team to Vegas.
3: Right in Boston from left to right. Just past Kinnard, a straightaway three. Bullseye! Luke Kennard a career-high eight triples. 25 on the night.
0: We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with
1: Ed Greeney and Tyler Bischoff. Ed, you ready for some more NBA to Vegas rumors?
0: Yeah, can't do. It well, it's been a day. It's been been, been a day, so let's get back to
1: them. So this is from Brian Berger, uh, who runs the company Sports Business Radio. He was on with uh, Dan Canzano in Portland and (laughs) talking about... Wait, what's up, Jared?
2: I'm just sorry. Sports Business Radio? Did he just pick three random things and put them together?
1: Absolutely. Um, (laughs) He was on the radio in Portland. talking about the trailblazers and I I guess the potential of the trailer uh, trailblazers being sold or whatever. And the idea that, well, if they get sold, they could get moved because there's two cities like Seattle and Vegas, uh, that have been highly rumored to be getting or wanting teams. But what Brian Berger said basically was that Portland is not going to move. The blazers are not going to move even if they get sold because there are already ownership groups that are pretty much in place for Seattle and Las Vegas. Um, who are those ownership groups in Vegas? Do we? Do you have an idea? I think it
0: has to be MGM. I think it has to be MGM. They're the ones who, again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, brought the Aces from uh, San Antonio. They've got uh, T-Mobile Arena. Uh, you could put a team in there tomorrow. They're the ones who've always been linked to having an NBA team. I, I you know I mean I don't know who would be if it's private or if it's uh one or two people trying to do this we know Jackie is it Jackie Robinson or is he still building his arena
1: he did he, break- he re did he rebreak ground a second time?
0: <laughs> yes. I
1: believe
2: we're on the third groundbreaking because <laughs> I covered the first no the second groundbreaking <laughs> while I was in college
1: Jared is old now and not in college wouldn't anymore. it be MGM? I, I mean, that's the most likely answer. I mean, we, you remember we talked about the Jay Bloom guy um, yeah. who has questionable, uh, questionable past businesses. People say he's a millionaire. Businesses. Yes, uh, that, that's right. That's what the quote was. Where's your money come from? Well, people say I've got a billion dollars, so I guess I got a billion dollars, guys. Let's go buy an NBA team. Um I mean, I guess there could be somebody else, but but you're right. Those are the three names we've ever heard anything about. I shouldn't say ever, but recently in the last year and a half or so that we've heard anything about is Jackie Robinson building the All-Net Arena, this Jay Bloom guy, and then MGM has just sort of always been there, which is the one, I guess, right now, that would be the one you would pick out yeah. as the favorite. I, yeah, I guess the there tri- could be somebody trifecta,
0: else. that's not hard to be a favorite in that group.
1: Yeah, like I, I guess there could be somebody else, right? Like there could be sure. other... Uh, rich people, people interested I, like There's a lot of people's money here i'd have to imagine bill foley would not want the nba here right
0: no i don't think he wants another yeah. i don't think he wants another team in that arena
1: i mean he he kind of didn't want the raiders here and, and right. took a shot at them when they first right. moved in but i have to imagine bill foley wouldn't want the nba here although ma- listen maybe if you're bill foley would this be logical the NBA's coming anyway so i might as well be the one to own it ah
0: <sighs> Yeah, I mean, every time MLS came up, he said that he wanted MLS, and that you know we remember those stories about him possibly being the owner of MLS. So yeah, I I don't, I wouldn't doubt uh, that he'd have some interest. Again, uh, I would think, right? They're going to go into T-Mobile Arena. They could put a team in there tomorrow. So if they were going to go into T-Mobile Arena, and you know he he wanted to control that, he wanted to control both teams. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He could certainly afford it.
1: Yeah, and that's so. One of the areas about the NBA and expansion is is the arena they play in. The NBA very much wants their teams to own the arenas they play in, which would obviously make... That would make T-Mobile a problem, unless Foley was a part owner, because he owns part of T-Mobile, or MGM, MGM. because they own part of T-Mobile. Yeah, exactly. if, if it's anybody else, the NBA might really want them to build their own arena, which is why Jackie Robinson kind of comes up in this conversation, because he conceivably, in, in some alternate universe has an arena built on the strip so if he ever actually does that i guess there's a chance that jackie robinson could be the guy but it's just it's interesting that you have that you have somebody saying that the ownership groups are in place because the other part of this expansion story with in vegas is the last time adam silver talked about it was at the end of of last season he said that expansion's on the back burner that this is like that, that they had they discussed it ownership groups had discussed it the other, the teams, the guys that already own NBA teams had discussed it, and that it's not something they want to do right now. And the logic behind it, according to Adam Silver, was that when you expand, when you add new teams, you'd be going from, hey, all these owners get 1 30th of the total NBA pie. If you expand, now it's one thirty second, right? All the owners are now losing their percentage of how much they get from the NBA. And Adam Silver's logic was, if we expand, We need to add a team that is going to increase the overall pie, the overall revenue of the league. And Vegas and Seattle and every other market they apparently considered, we're not going to do that right now. That in 2021, this was last year, Vegas and Seattle were not going to increase the revenue pie enough for owners to want to go from 130th to 132nd of that share. I can't imagine if they're still going off that logic that that has changed. So it's it's just weird to me that there could be ownership groups in place for a league that said they don't really want to expand right now.
0: Well, how much do you think the pandemic had to do with all of that? Because what I'm saying is if if you expand, they have to they have to pay an expansion fee, which is a fortune um, that they just get checks written to them. But maybe like you're saying, overall, despite the expansion fee, they were worried they would lose money on this in the long term.
1: Well, the, the interesting part about the pandemic is that was at one point a potential reason for the NBA right. to, expand, to expand. Right, expand. it was it was hey, the NBA's lost. I can't remember what the number was, but the NBA's lost. We'll just say, for example, a billion dollars. Right, they lost a billion dollars in or in the pandemic, or they didn't earn a billion dollars they thought they would earn if there hadn't been a pandemic. They can make that money up if they simply. Add to expansion teams, right? right and sure. then all of a sudden, Expansive all fees. pandemic-related losses are, are, are gone. Covered. The owners right. are good to go. Right? But they came out of the pandemic, and and Adam Silver basically said, "Yeah, that came up, but not enough to move the needle." Right? So, the pandemic kind of almost led to it, but I guess it didn't actually have as big of an impact as we thought. And maybe you're right that pandemic-wise, they're like, "Well, this is not the best time to bring a new team in because." I mean, attendance is pretty much down across all sports across the country. Even places where capacity is one hundred percent, I think overall attendance seems to be down a lot of places. So maybe it was. Hey, we we don't, don't want to bring new teams in right now, and we're not going to make enough money back from uh, adding Vegas or adding Seattle, and that's why we're not expanding now. So
0: what do you think's a better know? market? I don't.
1: Um, for in terms of adding revenue to the NBA, right. I don't know because it's because the problem for the NBA is there are basketball fans in Seattle and basketball fans in Vegas already. People already consume the NBA in both cities. The big difference for hockey, which obviously just expanded to Vegas and Seattle, here in Vegas, there were a lot of people that were not hockey fans. There were a lot of people that seven years ago would have never watched an NHL game, right? And now they're crazy for it. The they watch Knights. every right. game. Yeah. The the NHL expanded its revenue because they added new fans. If the NBA were to come to Vegas tomorrow, you will have new fans of the NBA team in Vegas, but it's most likely people that were already Lakers fans or already war like right. people that are already consuming the NBA would just switch teams and that doesn't that's why the NBA doesn't view it as a potential increase in revenue. It's just a change in where the revenue yeah. is going. Yeah. So, I don't know that either one has a significant I
0: mean, edge. There weren't as many other- transient hockey fans here. No. <laughs> That's why when the Chicago Blackhawks came in, it was all the Chicago Blackhawks fans from <laughs> elsewhere who were going to make the trip there. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh, it's I mean, do you still, because of UNLV, and uh, look, they haven't been good in a while, have made the tournament since 13, but if someone asked you now with the Raiders basketball and hockey, this is an interesting question. What town is this? Is it a hockey town? Is it a football town? Is it a basketball town? I mean, I know it's a gambling town. I get that. But the Golden Knights sure have changed the narrative here in this town in terms of what people like and what people follow. I mean, I I told you this before. I've been a sports writer for a long time. My wife hardly ever watched anything. She doesn't miss the Golden Knights game now. Yeah, She she, she watches every game.
1: I would say right now, Las Vegas is a hockey town. I agree. The Golden Knights are the most important sports team in this city. Yes. In... three four five years i would project that the raiders would be the number one team that that's going to change now the raiders go two and 14 or two and 15 for three straight years that's not going to change but if the raiders have some level of even just make the playoffs and lose in the first round a couple of times i think this becomes a raiders team i think they're a town um but right now i'd say the golden knights are are number one green so coming up next ben brown from pro football focus joins the show game Vaughn, you and aaron gonna run it back or what?
3: You guys are running it back like the Lakers, right? We're
0: running it back like Shaq and Kobe. That's that what's up. That's what's up. Running it back like the Cowboys. We hey, like Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. Like hey, Elvis Presley and Michael like Jackson. Hell oh, yeah. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Uh, ben, I should have listened to you, and I should have bet all of the over props on punts for the Super Bowl.
3: That was that was the big winner, right? I do think, you know, game props that I like uh turned out w- really well. Some of the player props unfortunately. Uh didn't get all the way there, especially with Cooper Cup I thought was kinda interesting. Be yeah, a lot of a lot of pretty successful game props. Overall uh, a successful uh betting market for me on the Super Bowl, that's for sure.
1: Wait, what was the worst bet like the worst prop bet you made, the one that didn't come anywhere close?
3: I mean, so I actually like Samaj P. Ryan to go over Uh, It was initially 5.5 rushing yards, then it dropped all the way down to 2.5 rushing yards. I actually liked that one quite a bit because I expected him to get, you know, two or three carries. He did end up getting those two carries, but just didn't have, uh, you know, any production whatsoever. I think the carries that he got were in a lot higher leverage uh, spots than what I was projecting uh, him to get those opportunities. And that one was uh, (laughs) definitely my biggest miss. Unfortunate, that's kind of not necessarily what decided the game as well, but it was a pretty critical Uh, point in juncture when he ended up not getting in yards on that third and one carry.
0: Ben, I've heard people uh, write and say about the play calling down the stretch on Cincinnati. I thought most of it is because Aaron Donald was in his face uh, the the entire second half. Did you have a problem either way with the Rams or the Bengals of how the game was called?
3: I mean, yeah, we did see, you know, the Rams uh, make some pretty significant adjustments kind of once they got into uh, an up-tempo scheme that goes on like their 12th drive or something like that. They definitely were uh, in some bunch, condensed Type set, trying to run the football with you know wide receivers trying to block defensive linemen and all sorts of things. It was not working out whatsoever. So once they finally went to a more spread offense, up tempo, uh, that's when they had a lot of success against the same thing. That's when they ended up scoring their you know fourth quarter touchdown to go ahead as well. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased to see that Sean McVay definitely made some of those adjustments. I do think you know from Zach Taylor's perspective. Uh, yeah, there were definitely some questionable things. I do think overall, you know, how they how they actually end up capturing and getting back to, you know, the biggest stage being in the Super Bowl, getting through the AFC is gonna come down to Zach Taylor and his ability to kind of develop uh, an offensive scheme that can be productive and efficient for that since they build the offense and isn't necessarily just relying, you know, solely on big plays, which is basically what, you know, their MO was here in twenty twenty one. And they really only got two of those in the Super Bowl and I think that's Probably the main reason why they fell so short. So, uh, developing more of a consistent game plan where they're not relying solely on those big plays is definitely going to be uh, the reason why the Bengals have uh, future success or lack thereof, in my opinion.
1: What I don't—I haven't actually seen if there's a if there's a line out for this yet. But which side would you go if it was just a simple bet? Yes, no. Will the Bengals make the playoffs next year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably handicap it as you know minus. Minus one sixty five, they're probably going to open on yes to make the playoffs. Minus one fifty, I think it's probably a pretty decent spot, but I do think the AFC North is still going to be difficult. Right? We probably saw Baker Mayfield at his absolute lowest point here in twenty twenty one. Outside of him, uh, the Cleveland Browns have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Of course, Baltimore as well uh, is right there with you know Lamar Jackson looking pretty close to an MVP type candidate through the first eight weeks of the NFL season, even given the rash of injuries that they experienced to the start of the year. He was playing really well, so if he gets back to kind of that level, both those teams are going to be, um, you know, have a say in how productive the Cincinnati Bengals are here in 2022. So I don't think they're, you know, like overwhelmingly, uh, you know, inclined to make the playoffs. I don't really necessarily agree with them kind of being maybe in that second tier of teams uh, priced to win the Super Bowl right now. I probably think they're a little bit overstated that, you know, plus 1,400, uh, 6.7% expectation of winning the Super Bowl next year. I think that's probably – uh, a little bit overstated based on what we saw from them in 2021.
0: I think you guys put out a graph or a story in terms of, because of some of the quarterbacks in the AFC, that I don't know if odds favorite, but that might be the last time we ever see Joe Burr in a Super Bowl.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's the thing, right? I mean, he's going to have to get through. This year, it kind of worked out well for them with where they landed at in the AFC playoff season because, uh, you know, they had to beat Tennessee on the road as a number one seed. But I do think everybody kind of knew Tennessee was, Probably one of the worst number one seeds we've ever seen. They avoided Buffalo, who I think, you know, looking back at that matchup against uh, Kansas City in the divisional round now, um, it's hard to not say Buffalo was maybe the best team in the AFC. So, uh, avoiding them completely obviously really worked out in Cincinnati's benefit. I think they got a down, really poor performance from Patrick Mahomes as well. Banking on that uh, is probably not a really good recipe for future success. So, getting through those two teams along with you know, the other teams that we already talked about in AFC, like, it's going uh, to be difficult to get through what is looking like the clear uh, best conference coming up here for the next five years for the Cincinnati Bengals, even if they do improve uh, dramatically along the offensive line. So uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for all these teams. We had. It's exciting if you have, you know, a young up-and-coming quarterback right now because there's a lot of uh, opportunity for them to actually excel
1: pre-free agency, pre-NFL draft, are there any teams you really like for Super Bowl odds next year already?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to look around for, you know, an NFC team that I can actually get behind, right? And I do think that, <laughs> uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are relatively short, haven't performed uh, whatsoever in the playoffs here, but they have all the tools in place to actually be one of the best teams in the NFL. I think if Aaron Rodgers potentially shifts Uh, to an AFC-type team, depending on where Russell Wilson lands, if he's in Seattle as well. Like, there are just not too many productive teams that have all the pieces in place in the NFC. Like, the Los Angeles Rams are obviously one, and I think Dallas maybe is the only other one that you can really say that for. Right now, obviously, San Francisco has questions at quarterback with Trey Lance, how productive he's going to be. So, if you're looking at shorter odds, I definitely like Dallas. Um, You know, everyone's kind of searching for who's going to be the next Bengals in 2022, and to be honest with you, we just don't see that type of leap or jump uh consistently enough to really buy into it from a betting perspective. So, not a lot of like really long shot type opportunities that I'm really on board with. So, I'm taking a few sprinkles on teams in the NFC that I think are probably undervalued right now. I know I said Seattle if Russell Wilson um, moves on, is obviously a team you can't touch, but if Ru- Russell Wilson's there, I think they make a lot of sense at plus thirty five hundred as well. So. Uh, Those are probably the two teams that I'm after, teams with really good quarterbacks in the NFC that I think could probably get to the Super Bowl. From there, you can potentially hedge on some of those opportunities against uh, what's looking like a better team coming from the AFC in 2022.
0: Uh, Some needs were put out on each team, specifically in in our situation, the Raiders, in terms of what they need most. One wasn't listed offensive line. There were a lot listed before that. Um, Is there a higher sense on this offensive line than maybe we think of after Colton Miller?
3: Yeah, I mean I think um I think maybe it's also like priority of, you know, positions that we think are actually need uh as well. Like we've seen, you know, not necessarily great offensive lines, but a team that at least has five consistent starters can be a really high functioning efficient offensive line, even if you don't have a star type player along there. But we've had 'em we have had 'em basically as a league average unit that did seem to fit in pretty well with Derek Carr's skill set in order to be able to protect him. So I we have it a little bit lower. I do think that you know the secondary wide receiver position absolutely has to get addressed. You can't go into it with you know Hunter Renfro being the only guy at the wide receiver position, and then uh, getting some cornerbacks in place that are going to fit Patrick Graham's defensive scheme. I think is a huge priority as well, probably over uh, the offense line. So those are the two spots that I'm really interested to see what Las Vegas can do because uh, I do think that you know figuring out those positions along the outside. Are really going to help play into actually Derek Carr's skill set uh, and the and and the scheme that Patrick Graham's going to put in place. So wide receiver, secondary wide receiver, uh, and, and at least one or two more cornerbacks, I think, make a lot of sense from the Las Vegas Raiders' perspective.
1: Would you bet yes or no? Aaron Rodgers plays for the Green Bay Packers next year.
3: I'm. I mean, I I think right when the season, uh, at least when the Packers season ended, I was probably leaning more toward no. Um, Given, you know, the salary cap implications, everything else, are they going to be able to bring back back Devontae Adams? That was the reason why I maybe leaned in uh, no direction. It does seem like uh, there's been just a lot of, you know, potential rumors circulating around that Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it's not as good a standing as it is, so uh, I'd be leaning more towards no. I do think maybe Tennessee makes a little bit of sense, but it does still seem like Denver uh, is probably the perfect spot for one of these veteran quarterbacks to end up with, even given you know the state of the AFC West division in general. Um, I do think that the team makeup of the Denver Broncos makes a lot of sense, especially for Aaron Rodgers at like quarterback.
0: I want to ask you the last one: uh, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell came in and said, "I'm going to build around him." He's a thirty-five million dollar hit, and a lot of people have always thought they'd move on from him. But it certainly seems like Kevin O'Connell thinks he's going to be the guy. Do you think they stay with that and they keep him, especially at that cap hit?
3: Yeah, I do think for this year, especially, especially if they're not going to restructure his deal or anything, I do think riding it out for one more season, seeing where they land after the 2022 season, makes a lot of sense given uh, the contract status of Kirk Cousins. After that, you can potentially get into uh, more of a quarterback rebuild, or if you think the roster is good enough, maybe you can take on one of these mercenary type of quarterbacks that people are at least projecting to be uh, a more popular approach to getting to the Super Bowl than what we've seen in previous years, given the, the success of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. Maybe that's an option as well. But I definitely think for 2022 we're going to see Kirk Cousins uh, playing with within a Kevin O'Connell-schemed offense. I think they could have you know some decent success in what could be a lackluster NFC North division.
1: Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Yep. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Take
0: care. You too.
1: So there is Ben Brown. I, As much as I like hating on people, I do feel bad sometimes because of how much we have just ripped the Bengals since losing the Super Bowl about, eh, they're not making the playoffs. They're never going back to the Super Bowl. These are a bunch of bums that shouldn't have been there in the first <laughs> place. Well, struggled <laughs> to beat the Raiders. <laughs> 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 That's true. Well, they did blow them out one time in the regular That's season. true. They did. So, 2-0 uh, against them. I just, I, you know, I enjoy hating on people, but we have just ripped the Bengals all week being like, yeah, they're not going back. We, Everybody knows this team is a fraud. They're not actually going to make it back here again. All right. Coming up next, you guys want another chicken update? Of course you do. Of course we do. Um, I wish I could tell you what I'm playing again. I, I want to know, but I don't. My golf activity has been very limited. I can can chip and putt really well and hit short irons very well but i haven't done any, any long stuff seriously i can still play but i'm in a cart being a weekend warrior is easy you know that's not that hard you know hit your ball hop on a cart ride barely step out of a cart grab your club hit the next one right um i can do that that's not that hard but walk on a, a golf course that's a totally different deal
0: we're back to the press box with grady and bischoff
1: we're racing chickens right now, Ed. We just started. We got oh, 110 man. meters left for our chicken. First race of the morning. Get excited. Well,
0: let us know how he does.
1: I will. Uh, yesterday, terrible. I think we raced uh, 25, maybe 30 times, and we only had two chickens finish in the top three. We had ze- or We had one win yesterday. Which
0: means you lost how much?
1: Um, I don't know. But we are still positive overall on racing. We still have not lost money racing our chickens yet, okay. which is which is a good sign. But yesterday was a complete disaster. We do not know what happened. Like I cannot figure out why everything just went to hell yesterday. We should have good chickens. Like we have a, we have a we have a little chart where we can figure out if our chickens where our chickens should finish in every race. We should have had like 13 14 chickens that finished in the top 3 and it just did not happen yesterday. And right now, my chicken is off the screen with 30 meters to go. So this off is off the another screen bad morning. again. Yeah, oh this God. is a bad morning.
0: What not a disaster!
1: Good. Yeah, not good. This is this is not going well for us. We're gonna have to sell them all, and I'm gonna have to stop talking about it so people think our chickens are still good. Can't let everybody know we have bad chickens, <laughs> then we won't be able to sell them. Nightmare. Um, have you guys seen what's uh, the most popular thing happening in London today?
0: I know what's happening in London that's not very popular, which is the airports are all closed because the winds are horrible and there are trees falling down. And uh, so that's not very good. That and Timothy Chalamet is uh, shooting Wonka because I found I was sent another, yet another video today of him in a scene shooting Willy Wonka.
1: Very important. Yes. Uh, There is a guy outside the London Heathrow airport who is simply filming planes landing in the wind and like encouraging them too? like he's giving play by play on a lot of them, talking about what planes they are and like, you know, giving them words of encouragement. So they're they still landing the there. Yeah, they're still landing. That's not here. good. There are one hundred and thirteen thousand people watching this live stream. Wow. Like <laughs> it's just a guy set up outside the airport. Man, I thought Zoom. they shut
0: that thing down
1: zooming in on planes landing and like they're wobbly but there are one hundred and thirteen thousand people watching these planes land at the moment which is fascinated me that that many people care about this so that's uh that's what's happening now i have a very important question for the both of you uh this question comes from dan morse on twitter and he asks what's the most athletic accomplishment an average fan could do in professional sports?
0: Shoot free throws?
1: That, I think, is one of the most popular answers. Um, but let me ask, let me rephrase the question. I, I don't think anybody could do that, Jared, to be honest with you. No, because um,
2: statistically, you can, if you kick it straight down the middle, you are more likely, you're like 51% likely to make it and choosing a side? Yeah. So just kick it straight down the middle. You can Jen, do it.
1: I, I don't think you understand. Let me let me phrase it this way. If you pulled 100 people out of a crowd at a sporting event, how many do you think would actually score a penalty on a professional goalie? Do I get to tell them to
2: kick it straight down the middle?
1: Uh, sure. You can tell them whatever you want. Uh, you're 12. Pulling,
0: you're pulling... 100 people out, and you just all, all, all people just go and get 100 random people?
1: Yep, just 100 average sports fans. So just 100 random people at a sporting event. I think it's five, less than 10 people make a penalty five make on an actual goalie. Because it, the goalie, the, the, the key in penalty kicks in soccer is that the players kick it hard enough that the goalie has to dive before mm-hmm. they kick it to actually make a save. The average person's kicking that soccer ball two miles an hour. And the goalie can just stand there and wait to see where it goes, and then stop it. And I'd actually bet more than fifty percent of people don't even put it on target. I bet more people miss the net than actually put it on the net. So I don't think I think free throw is very high on the list. Um, Are they allowed outside, to do ground,
2: Granny style?
1: Yeah, if you want, you can yeah, any, any you way want you it. want. Sure. Uh, sure. One of the popular replies to that tweet was catch a fly ball.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Do you think you could catch a fly ball? A, a fly ball off the bat of a major league? I put you in center field. There's a fly ball. Do you think you could catch it?
0: Not a chance. Oh. right now? <laughs> right now? I'm not so sure. I could try. Is, I could try to track it, but I think that'd be more difficult than we both assume. I, I think have, that's. I think it's more difficult than we both right. assume. Yeah.
1: I have horrible depth perception there is zero chance I'm catching this fly ball. If I have to move more than like 15 feet, like if it's hit right at me, I'll eventually That's... I'll probably run like two, two yards away and eventually come back to it. But if I've got a, if I've got to run, if I've got to come anywhere close to like full sprint to catch this thing, no chance, absolutely no chance. I'm tracking that and catching that. Um, so I, I don't really think there's much in baseball. The average person could do I maybe mean... like throw a strike. But I don't know if that counts as an accomplishment.
0: I think the average person, the average person now, it's going to go like four miles an hour for most people who could serve a tennis ball.
1: If, if you pulled 100 people out at the U.S. Open and they got one chance to serve, how many are actually serving it into the box? How many are not faulting? Well,
0: fall, far more are not doing it. Yeah. They're either hitting the net or they're faulting. But I, I put it this way, more is going to do that than score in the, on the penalty kick.
1: Yes. Uh, is there anything in football the average fan could do?
0: Get tackled. <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> I
0: mean, here's the, I guess it's the question, like, if you're running an out or you're running, like, a, a, a pattern, is are they defending you or are you just saying that you go out with you know, a quarterback and see if you can catch his pass?
1: Thirty. Uh, yeah, an actual game. Oh, no,
0: they couldn't is, do that. No, no.
1: The only thing I think I could possibly do is I think I could snap the ball to the quarterback wouldn't be a oh. good snap, and I couldn't do anything after that. Don't ask me to block anybody, but I think I could snap it to the quarterback. Could I, you, could I you hold for could a get, kick?
2: I definitely could get stiff-armed into the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could hold for a kick. I did that growing up. So what what about punting, though? No, n- nobody's getting 30, the line of scrimmage. We got negative eight-yard punts all over four. the place.